This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. It's the Premier League preview special alphabetical team-by-team guide across two podcasts as the greatest league in the world, TM, begins. Today then, Arsenal have bought well, but can they improve on last year? Aston Villa, dark horses for top four or now five. There's an all-new Bournemouth and an all-new Burnley with a not-quite-as-new but presumably still good Brighton in between. Then Chelsea, Lord only knows what will happen there. Roy is still at Palace in 12th. And Everton, well, we all know what will happen there. Finally, for this pod, it's Fulham, a nice family club. And apologies to Brentford, who I missed from this intro the first time around. All that, plus your questions, and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Barry Glendening, welcome. Hello, Max. How are you? I'm very good. Just say there is a man drilling outside your house, which we may hear during the pod, we may not, but that's that noise. Yeah, I have relocated my podcasting nerve centre to the rear of the building in the hope that uh, there's also a very good chance a large tree could fall through my living room window at some point during the podcast. So um, if I have to, well, there's not much I can do about it, really, so we'll just (laughs) deal with it later. If you could do it at the moment that we discuss Arsenal's new signing, Timber, that would actually work. That would work perfectly, wouldn't we? Wouldn't it? Um, at last, Siverton, hello. Yeah, hello. Con- continuing on the theme of, of Timber, I am uh, calling in from the, the Forest of Dean today, which is, uh, yeah, lots of trees. A, a place of outstanding natural beauty, not a place of outstanding Wi-Fi connections. So we will see if I stay on the line throughout. That'll be uh, exciting. Um, hello, Troy Townsend. Hello, Max. Nothing as exciting to report from me. Um Yes, that's <laughs> all I'll say. So, uh, so some admin, fifth place could get Champions League, right? If the Premier League clubs provide one of the top two performances for a nation in this year's Champions League, Europa League and Conference League, the team finishing fifth will earn a Champions League spot in five of the past six seasons. Seven of the past 11, the Premier League would have uh, merited that extra spot. Thank you to Jack, um, uh, who says, hope you've all had a great summer. Looking forward to next season's predictions. Here's the pod predictions table for the back end of last season. Uh, creditable work that he literally followed the predictions the whole way through. Uh, Barry and I were exactly the same because we are uh, just linked at the hip, as he says, just above Wilson. Troy, you were rock bottom. Cheers. And Simon, Simon Burnton was top. So we're not including him today 
or tomorrow. Peter says, what's the name for this end of the season as it's not the business end? Is this the, the leisure end at the pleasure end? <laughs> that sounds quite sinister. But anyway, let's, uh, let's settle one thing, which is we'll begin with Arsenal and not AFC Bournemouth. They'll come in the B section. Uh, Declan Rice, Kai Havertz, Jurian Timber in, Granite Xhaka, Pablo Mari, Austin Trusty who I had not heard of, but hopefully he has a, a left foot you can rely on. Uh, and Ainsley Maitland-Niles uh, have all gone. Uh, Lars, can you see Arsenal being better than they were last year? Well, they're, they're very good. I think the the issue here is we, we come straight into uh, one of my, my favourite saying, which is you don't you don't have to outrun the bear, you just have to outrun the other campers. And And, and the problem for Arsenal is that it's very difficult to see them finish above City. And... That feels like a. I'm sure Arsenal fans will take that as a as a slight, and it is not at all. I think in almost any other era, I would be backing this team to win the Premier League. They have so much going for them. They were brilliant last season. They've added over the summer, and the only reason I don't think they'll win it is the sort of general existence of Manchester City. Alas, they do exist, Uh, but I have them down as the um, as the second best team in the league. I think they will, which is what they were last year, and I think they will still be that. Troy, have you been impressed with their recruitment? I mean, it, that's what it feels like. It feels like their squad is better than last year, but it would actually be really hard, especially the way they started last season. The first half of last season, they were absolutely sensational. It's even with a better squad that they might not do as well, partly because the other campers, as Lars said, the other campers might not run as fast as them, but are slightly closer to them than they were last year. Listen, I think Arsenal fans have got to be excited of you know because of the signings they've made. Um, an overpriced Declan Rice, Havertz. I'll um, I'm going to leave that one. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see what he contributes. Obviously, uh, Jesus is out for uh, a, a, a little period of time, and Havertz comes in and plays as a false nine. So rather than having someone up there, but. You know, Jesus last season was was seemed to be all over the place. So in regards to his positional sense, so it'll be interesting. I still think they'll be as competitive as they was last year. I actually think Jack is going to be a miss for them. Um, you know, there was a period of time when Arsenal fans wanted him gone, wasn't there? And and he wasn't really contributing to the quality of their play. But the last couple of seasons, given the armband and everything else, um, he really stepped up. So I think he could be a a real miss for them to be fair but look they will be competitive I've got them in the same place that I put them last year um, which I think I put them last year which probably made me rock bottom you know they'll be competitive in those really big games as well but I've got them down as a third place side just because I think one of those runners um, are going to come up above them um, which I'll reveal later on of course Wow it's interesting they're going for David Rea Barry. I mean, I thought Ramsdale was so good last year, and I can't work out if Rare is coming in ahead of him, or because Arteta's got a different way of viewing goalkeepers and wants two that are really good in a sort of Clements Shilton style. Yeah, I was surprised by that as well. Uh, I, I suspect Aaron Ramsdale was probably quite shocked too. Um, I, I thought he had a fine season last last year. Uh, he did have a few ricks, but. God, I suspect he will begin the season as number one. And I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't. And I I must say it, it is a signing that has befuddled me slightly. Uh, I, I don't really understand the logic up behind it. Obviously, you can never have too many good players, but one of them is going to be 
dissatisfied and disgruntled, you'd imagine, because they won't be playing. Unless he does uh, a Clemens, Shilton and alternates, <laughs> which seems unlikely. Have the other signings, Barry, befuddled you? Or just are you fuddled with them? I'm not sure what the opposite of befuddled is. Um, no, I'm, I'm fuddled. Uh, Declan Rice, I think, is hugely overpriced, but obviously you're worth whatever anyone is, is willing to pay for you. Urian Timber, people speak highly of him. I'm not going to claim to have seen much of him playing uh, for Ajax because I, I don't watch the Eredivisie. Uh, Kai Havertz, like Troy, I'm a bit, mm, we'll see. Uh, I'd be interested to see if they use Fabio Vieira more. William Saliba is back, obviously, that's that's big. And the thing with Arsenal, right, they've a, they've a five-point deficit to make up. Can they make up that? Yeah, of course, because they dropped a lot of cheap points last season the Liverpool West Ham Southampton games in in particular and they've quite a gentle introduction into this season but I was looking at their fixtures and I think it's mid-September to mid-October they have Man United at home Everton away they can't beat Everton at Goodison Park I think they've lost on the, their last three visits there so you know it doesn't look tricky on paper but Arsenal have serious difficulties uh, Spurs at home Bournemouth away Manchester City at home Chelsea away we'll see what Arsenal are made of by the end of that I suspect How do you see Lars their midfield lining up? Is it sort of Rice, Odegaard Havertz in games where they think they'll dominate and then Rice party in Odegaard when they have to actually do some defending? Yeah I was looking forward to seeing the first version you proposed there Though I, maybe that will also hinge on the sort of availability of Gabriel Jesus, because we, of course, we saw him uh, Harvard start up front in the Community Shield. Um, I, I think that's a yeah, that's a that's a pretty good suggestion you've uh, you've made, and I do like the fact that you know I was I sounded a bit it's weird I sounded a bit negative when you first came to me, but I'm, I'm actually not negative. I think they're a really really good team. I just think if the question is will they win, I'm not sure they can. Um, I like the fact that they've like gone quite big in the transfer market they were willing to commit those massive funds to bring Declan Rice in I'm more of a Kai Havertz believer than the rest of the panel but that might be because I you know I I watched him before he went to Chelsea and he was just a lot of fun for Leverkusen and then he's been sort of part of a pretty you know chaotic uh, period of Chelsea's recent history been moved around positionally a little bit so maybe Arteta has a better idea how to get the best out of him. I also have a slight bias towards sort of lanky and very technical players. That's that's always just aesthetically. I just like them, um, but I like the fact that Arsenal have gone quite big. They could have, they could have at the end of last season gone well. We're great again, fantastic. But uh, and and just gone complacent there. But they kind of looked to build on that season. And and the other thing is, they were able to to keep pace with City for a very long time with one of the youngest squads in the league. And, and all of those young guys are, are a year older. And there's no reason at all to suggest they're going to be any worse. So there, there's so much positive stuff going for Arsenal um, going into the season. I'd be, I'd be very excited if I was an Arsenal supporter. So I have them third, Barry. First. Wow. First. First. Champions. Yeah. You didn't yeah. have a... You- he didn't have a positive thing to say about them a minute ago, and now they're first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought it was quite positive. Um, look, the thing is, <laughs> we're doing these... The, the window's still open. You know, Julian Lopetegui left Wolves yesterday. Uh, West Ham might be about to lose Paqueta. It's hard to me make predictions. I think they can make up a five-point deficit uh, for various reasons. I have them first. Lars? Second. Troy? Third. 
There we are. Okay. So, so can I just say, Max, bear in mind, if I said last year Liverpool to finish outside the top four, Chelsea 12th, you'd have had me committed. So, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, that is the point. If I'd said, well, you know, Leeds will probably bring in Big Sam for the last four games. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Aston Villa 7th, they brought in Musa Diaby from Leverkusen for 51 million. Pau Torres in from Villarreal. Uh, Yuri Tillemans is coming from Leicester for nothing. Uh, Ashley Young's gone to Everton. Marvellous Nakamba to Luton. And Wesley to Stoke. Um, say it quietly um, around Jordan Jarrett Bryan, but it's an exciting time to be a Villa fan, Troy, isn't he? And, and they've signed well. They've got a brilliant manager. The sky is the limit. I don't, what is the limit? Fifth is the limit. What's the limit? I'm excited for this Villa side. And, and like you've just noted there, Max, they've been very, very shrewd in the transfer market. And being very shrewd is what the manager does. And he's taken them to a level that I think is probably beyond the Villa fans' expectations to start with as he's come in. Um, you wait to see where I've put them in the league this year, then there'll be a shot. But for me, I think they need to get some cover for Ollie Watkins, some good cover for Ollie Watkins. I think he'll score goals again, no doubt. But just in case, you know, as the season goes on, he picks up an injury or it becomes a tiring season. I think if they could get a good backup player for him, I think they've got the perfect squad at the moment. And I'm quite excited to see them. Tillemans is... You know, to get him on a free, and I know there were loads in for him, it's an outstanding signing. He hasn't got to move very far. He hasn't really, you know, he hasn't got to do anything but perform in the way that he was performing during his good times at, at Leicester. And Pau Torres comes in and, uh, again, a, a really good defender. And it will be interesting to see if it is Mings he matches up with or if he change, changes the style of play. But I'm, I'm excited for this Villa side. With that level of positivity, I'm expecting first at the end of this bit. Uh, tell us about Musa Diaby, Lars. Oh, he's very fast, and uh, I, I think I think he'll be a very useful player for Unai Emery. I think he'll do. I mean, this is kind of simplistic because, of course, he he comes from the same club in in, in Germany. But I think he'll do a lot of the things they're kind of hoping Leon Bailey would do, but that Leon Bailey just haven't done consistently, right? To be that sort of very speedy threat, can play both in a wide area. You can probably stick him up front. You know, Emery likes to play. You know, we saw him at at um, Villarreal use a sort of four four two, but with one of the strikers being basically a winger who pulls wide all the time. Thinking that role, Diaby should be very well suited. You know, he's rapid. And uh, no, I think he he's someone who has the toolkit to make an impact in the Premier League, and and and, and like Troy, I, I I like the squad a lot. There's a lot going going on there, and it seems like such a great place for Unai Emery to be because it's a club that's big enough and has enough resources that they can bring him some very good players to work with. But he maybe sort of escapes the sort of worst of the glare and the pressure and the expectation of the very top clubs. I had them a couple of places lower in the table than I suspect their fans would, would like me to. But I think they're very well settled, have a lot of really good players. And if, like last season, like you said, Max and, and Barry, if, if the teams that are in quote-unquote bigger or above them in the table could occasionally can fall massively on their face and, and things can go wrong. And if that happens, I think Villa are very, very well situated to kind of sneak in and, and grab a, a place higher in the table. And Barry in the Conference League, which you've got to say they've got a really good chance in. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, Emery's pedigree in Europe is, is second to very few, if, if anyone, and... I suspect that may affect their their league position, and I don't think Villa fans will particularly care. I think they'll want to have a right good go at winning uh, the Europa Conference League. Um, Emery has revolutionised that club in 
what, seven or eight months, less. And you wonder how much better can they get. I, I think they could improve, but not particularly move up the table. And that's because so I don't expect Chelsea to be anywhere near as bad this season as they were last season. But we used to talk about a big four and then it was kind of a big six. Now I think when you put Newcastle in the mix, we have a big seven and, and I think Villa and Brighton are not could, could establish themselves as, a, you know, make it a big eight, a big nine. I used to talk a lot about there being an awful lot of very bad teams in the Premier League. But this season, I, I think there's going to be more good teams than bad teams. Do you want to round it up for a big 10, Barry? That would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> the interesting point of that is, presumably they will take points off each other, right? And the question is, can they take points off City as opposed to just all beating each other and then City run away with it? But we'll get to Manchester City. We'll get to City tomorrow. Uh, league positions. Troy. Fourth. Fourth. Wow. Lars? Wow. Oh, my days. Well, so this is weird because I'm also very positive about them, but I, I have actually put them eighth, which is lower than they'll expect. How's that positive, Lars? <laughs> because, of, because of what Barry just said, a lot of good teams. I think that it's... it's I think they're really good, but I think there are teams that are even better. But if they fall over, then, uh, you know, Villa will be there. It's the good teams, Barry. Yeah, I I think they'll be better than our season, but I have them in the exact same spot, seventh. I have them sixth. Uh, okay, then Bournemouth, then 15th last year. Gary O'Neill did so well, they got rid of him. They brought in Andoni Iraola um, as manager. Also come in Justin Clivert. From Roma, Romain Favre from Lyon, Milos Kerkes from AZ Alkmaar and Hamad Traore. Uh, Jefferson Lerma and Jack Stacey have gone. They've lots of players who I only really expect Lars to have heard of um, and a manager who I think others may know about but probably didn't know about until he was recruited with all due respect to the rest of the panel. Lars, uh, is this the all-new Tikka Bournemouth? Well, so Sid did a really good piece on, on Iraola uh, this summer, and he seems like a really fun guy. I mean, th- there's a quote he apparently once said that, as a coach, he prefers too much chaos to too much organization, which I think is amazing. That is that is what I want from a Bournemouth manager, or indeed just... Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm much more excited about seeing their team this season than I was this time last season. If you look at the squad, I, I think after... Um, and Mr. Foley came in and bought, bought the club. They've um, it's they seem to want to build sort of a youthful, attacking, vibrant uh, team, and and they brought in a coach who who's done very very well in Spain with Rayo Vallecano to do that. Like you say, you you make jokes about you know the names being slightly unknown, but they're they're interesting characters. I mean, I think you should remember uh, the the fullback characters from AZ from the West Ham games in the uh, Conference League last season. He was very lively from a fullback for AZ. I do worry. So this is inside of me, Max. I have a uh, sort of a football romantic and a haggard old cynic, and they're just kind of fighting. Con- then they're punching each other constantly. That's kind of my internal process when I'm looking at these things. My concern is that trying to take Bournemouth, who did stay up but were not amazing last season, I think on the sort of uh, the expected goals models had them as, as one of the worst, if not the worst teams in the league. Trying to take that and and make them into a sort of chaotic attacking fun machine, I think that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. And I think there are a lot of things that can go wrong if you try to do it. So I worry a little bit that it might not work for them, but I really hope it does. And I'm very much looking forward to, to watching the team. Any strong thoughts, Barry and Troy? Start with you, Troy. 
I kind of hear what Lars saying. I think they could be really hit and miss, and I suppose it's how much hit they are or how much miss they are. Um, they want to create a I mean, new... That's a general guide for most of these teams. <laughs> yeah. Starting well, obviously, is massively important because, you know, you want the, fan, the fans on their side, you want the new manager to have that bounce, you want the players to enjoy playing in the Premier League, but it also can be very difficult. So, listen, it's one of those where, where the expectation must be quite high because of the new manager and the, the type of players that he's bringing in, but the Premier League is unforgiving. So you're right, they didn't pull up many trees last year, although, you know, you still got to say that they did very well. Um, but it's a competitive league. It's a competitive league. So I'll be interested to follow their progress. Would have been another good time for that tree to fall <laughs> yeah. down. Just, just try, try said that, Baz. The only thing I would add is if, if you said to me now, you are only allowed watch one Premier League team's games throughout the season, it would be Bournemouth. I'm very excited to see what, what they're like, Anne. Almost entirely on the strength of that Sid Lowe article about Iroiola, which I recommend everyone uh, dig out and read. Easy to find. Um, I have him 16th, uh, Troy. 14th. Lars. Yeah, with a heavy heart, I've sent them down. I put them in 18th. But it's one of those things I really hope I'm wrong about. Barry? 11th. Wow. All right. Oh, my days. Um, that article, you know, that Sid article is great, isn't it? That's really good. Uh, all right, that'll do for part one. Brentford starts part two. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. So the live tour tickets available in November uh, across the UK and Ireland uh, London on the 13th, Bristol on the 14th, Manchester the 15th, the residency in Dublin 20th and 21st, Brighton on the 22nd, um, a host of your favourite Football Weekly regulars and me and Barry tickets on sale. Go to theguardian.com slash fwtour23. I don't know how well tickets are selling, but if we start doing really long promos, you'll find out they're not going as well as we hoped they would, <laughs> but presumably... Very few tickets remaining. Um, Brentford then came ninth last year. They brought in Nathan Collins from Wolves, Kevin Sharder from Freiburg, and Mark Flecken, also from Freiburg. Um, a double swoop. Lovely part of the world, Freiburg, if you're looking for a mini break. Um, Pontus Janssen's gone to Malmo, and Mads Bistrup. Can't say I noticed him a lot last year, but he won't be seen in a Brentford shirt. Um, major talking point, Baz, is that Ivan Tony's unavailable until January. And that is, I mean, apart from, of course, Ethan Pinnock still being the mainstay. Uh, no Tony until January is big. Yeah, it's massive, obviously. Um, I think his absence and the fact that Thomas Frank is one of, I think, several 
managers in the Premier League who who would be coveted by other clubs. You know, quite a lot of these clubs we're previewing will not have the same manager at the end of the season as they do now. Maybe half, maybe more. And Thomas Frank will be, you know, can Brentford hold on to Thomas Frank? He seems happy enough there for the time being. As for Tony's absence, we don't have a huge amount to go on, but he missed the last three games of uh, last season. And in those three games, Brentford scored six goals. They beat West Ham, they beat Spurs, and they beat Man City. Uh, that's not bad going without Ivan Tony. So <laughs> they may well be all right. He's holding them back. Lars, your prescient thoughts on Brentford. I, I just uh, acknowledging that I foolishly thought they would have like second season syndrome last year. So, um, in acknowledgement of that, I'm going to say, listen. They've uh, they're such a well run club on uh, on on and off the pitch in terms of you know how they go about their business. They're, Thomas Frank has done a brilliant job. I'm sure they'll be completely fine. I've knocked them down a couple of places from last season just because they're missing Tony for so long. But a season, another season of being totally fine in mid-table is a real, real achievement for Brentford, all things considered, and that's what I think they'll do. I have them 11th, Lars. 12th. Crystal Palace on the 12th, come on. <laughs> Troy? 10th. <laughs> Barry? 10th. Uh, all right, Brighton then came 6th last year. They brought in Jao Pedro uh, from Watford, Bart Verbruggen from Anderlecht, Igor from Fiorentina, and James Milner uh, from Liverpool, and Mohamed Dahoud from Dortmund, uh, both on a free... Alexis McAllister's gone, as has Robert Sanchez. Moises Caicedo may or may not go. We don't know yet. So that's, that is quite a lot of upheaval, Barry. But they've had upheaval before, and we've all gone, well, that means they'll struggle. But, you know, do you think they'll be better than last year, but come lower than last year? I do, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I mean, it's, I just found, I found it doing the top half of this table so difficult. Really, really difficult. And we could all look like absolute morons by the end of the season but the, the bottom half not so much that kind of did itself really but yeah the top half so sorry look as you say Brighton have had upheaval in the past they've always seemed to have contingency plans they, they're you know like a good chess player they're, they're five or six moves ahead of everyone else uh, I if I was Moyes Casido I'd be concerned maybe about a move to Chelsea it doesn't always work out people from Brighton moving to Chelsea uh, in fact, it often goes horribly wrong. Uh, I expect them to do well and finish several places lower. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lars, they might bring in Mohamed Kudus as well, which I was like, I saw him as someone going to a bigger club than than Brighton. So that's a really interesting move for them. Super fun player, which uh, who will uh, no doubt make an already very, very watchable team even more watchable. So, uh, so that, that'll be tremendous. And I think... It was a, just a brilliant feat of, of coaching from Roberto de Zerbi last season to come in mid-season and uh, make them just implement his style very quickly and, and make them do this sort of funky thing of, of enticing people to come on and press them and then play through them and all that sort of stuff. They were really the just one of the most fun teams to watch in the league last year. But without wanting to throw a wet blanket on it, I, I really enjoyed the Brighton story last season. But I, I went on to one of these websites where you can divide the season into segments by dates and sort of see what the results between these two dates were to find out what... A, <laughs> you know how to live. Yeah, what exactly. Well, well, some of us has to write preview material for the next season, Max. Um, and, um, I, and, and it turns out, like, unless I've done something horribly wrong, during the period uh, Roberto Di Zerbi was in charge of the team last season... 
they only they were only eighth in the league, you know. There there were seven teams that collected more points than them, and and they conceded more goals than Leicester, which seems bad. So so as much as they deserve all the praise they got, because they were f- tremendously fun to watch, and they're doing it on a small budget, and all the things that we've said over and over again, I believe in them, those things passionately. But you know, <laughs> they. they they didn't actually take that many points. Uh, expected goals stats were better, as they often are with, with Brighton, suggesting there's some unfulfilled potential there. Um, maybe be a bit more clinical in front of goal. But now, of course, they've got to play in Europe as well, which adds an extra burden to this with some really important players having left. So again, I'm with Barry. Like, I don't, I'm not down on Brighton. I don't think they'll crash and burn or anything. I think they'll still be a great watch. I'll still do very, they'll still do very well and still punch above their weight. Uh, but I do have them a couple places lower than last season. Last season, they beat Man U twice. They beat Liverpool, drew with them in the league, knocked them out of the cup, beat Chelsea twice, beat Arsenal away, drew with Manchester City. But they also got beaten home and away by Fulham. And we all remember that absolute pounding they got from Everton. So... They need a bit, they're, you know, a bit up and down. And obviously we all have dreadful days at the office, but uh, the results can be a bit weird and unpredictable. Barry said this about Thomas Frank. I, I think the Zerbi leaving is a risk factor here. I, I think if there are certain jobs uh, around Europe, if they become available, he would be very, very high on, on, on their list. And let's say they wrestle a little bit with the, added burden of Europe uh, this autumn. Let's say Deserbi is maybe frustrated that some of the big players left. I'm, I'm sure he's very committed to the cause and, and grateful to the club for giving him a chance in the Premier League and all this sort of stuff. But if things are a bit frustrating there the next few months and suddenly a big job comes up, up you know, that, that could be a challenge for them as well. I've got them ninth, Troy. In the exact same place as me. Um... And me. There you go. And me. <laughs> so there's nothing more that needs to be said. I, I, I've never said I've excited about a Brighton team before, but what they did last year, I think everyone would have, you know, the introduction of Matoma, Jan Ferguson coming in up front, Solly March having a really good season as well. But then Lars pulls out those that, that little bit of data there and he presumes anything that I wanted to say. Um, the players that they've lost are going to be... Really important that the people that are going to take their the plans that take their place hit the ground running. Um, I'm excited about young Pedro, but from Lars's analysis, we've got to look at what they do defensively and they've got to be better defensively if they are going to grow. I'll be interested to see where James Milner slots in. Does he slot in as a, as a centre midfield player? Does he play fullback? I'll be interested to see where he slots in. But yeah, the mitigating circumstances of the manager that could up and leave and, and Europe are things that we have to take seriously. But yeah, I'll, I'll pick them in at ninth as we all have done and, and we'll see how they get on during the course of the season. Burnley came top of the championship. Uh, they brought in Zeki Amdouni from Basel, James Trafford from Man City, Jordan Bayer from Mönchengladbach, Daro Shea from West Brom, and Michael Obafemi from Swansea. Uh, Ashley Barnes, what a shame, is no longer there. And Nathan Teller's gone back to Southampton, a significant player for them last year. Um, Liam says, is Barry looking forward to predicting Burnley's relegation from the Premier League once again? I have not predicted a relegation from the Premier League this season. I think they'll do quite well. I hear there's a young, uh, wet behind the ears, whippersnapper named Andros Townsend training with them, possibly with a view to signing. That could rocket them into the Champions League places if they get him. 
after his release from, from Everton for a crime he didn't commit. I expect Burnley to be fine. Uh, I think there's some, some great players. Josh Cullen, uh, Republic of Ireland international in midfield. He's probably been Ireland's best player, which is it's a low bar, but um, over the past couple of seasons. Uh, Jordan Bear uh, seems like a very exciting prospect uh, in its centre-back. And uh, Anas Zaruri is a left winger who who's a Moroccan international. I think uh, he he will do well. Vincent Company seems to know what he's doing. There's a, there's a documentary about uh, Burnley's promotion season on at the moment. Uh, all episodes available, and I just can't bring myself to watch it. I've I've seen too many of those fly on the wall documentaries <laughs> that are terrible. I was about to say. <laughs> I, I just don't need to, I don't need to see any more players stretching and just like fist pumping as they meet each other of a morning. I just can't I can't bring myself to do that. If you want to get a real insight into a football club, you've got to watch them, haven't you? Yeah? Or you just don't care. I mean, well, but yeah, but once you've seen one, you've basically seen them all, haven't you? Well, no. no some some of them are good. That's true. The Sunderland Till I Die was great. But even the Sunderland one that was done years ago when Peter Reid was manager was brilliant. And it's because they failed. They got relegated. No no one's interested in success. You want to watch a team bomb. And even as a, as a fan, no, you know, albeit a, a sort of nominal fan, no one's interested in a PR exercise where the, every, the team does really well and wins lots of trophies. You want to see... It's what starts out as a vanity project and then everything just falls apart. That That's yeah. a documentary I want to watch. Yeah. Anyway, back to Burnley, uh, Lars. I think they're good. Um, I, I'm slightly baffled by how well it worked out for them last season because that's, you know, having played dice ball in the Premier League for years and years, then getting relegated, not really having the budget to completely transform the squad. They added some people, yeah, but they didn't do that much. And then bringing in a sort of young manager who's you know, influenced by Pep Guardiola and wants to play more possession football and stuff. Like, on paper, that should have been a disaster. Like, that's one of those things that you just look at that, no, that's not a good idea. And then they just run away with the league and, and play amazingly well. Like, 101 points, was it? Just three defeats all year. Unbelievable stuff from Burnley last year. Just I, I, And literally unbelievable. I would not have believed this if you'd have told me that was going to happen. So and and I think having I don't watch the championship every weekend, so I'm not an expert on them at all. But just on the back of that, I'm more than happy to give them the benefit of the doubt here, and I, I think they'll stay up. Where's the benefit of the doubt put them in the table for you, Lars? It has put them in 16th. Troy, maybe a bit of biased here, but I do think they will have a really good season. I think he's a he's a manager who I had the privilege of of interviewing him end of April. Uh, a week after they'd gone up. And I would say that there wasn't a massive amount of excitement in his voice. He expected to do it. He had he backed himself as a manager and what he was going to bring to that football club and what he did bring to the football club. But it was just like work as normal. And I think that's how he's going to approach the Premier League. So I have gone 12th. Uh, yes, I, I've there's four teams in the Premier League beginning with B and I have them 9th, 10th, 11th and 12th. 12th is where Burnley is. <laughs> just, ju- just a hypothetical question here. If, I don't know, one of our panellists had a son who was perhaps 
about to sign for Burnley because he's a free agent. Would would he in any way be putting him off because you couldn't face the old schlep from London to Turf Moor every second weekend? <laughs> yeah, yeah, again. No, yeah, come back again. to the Palace wherever, wherever it takes us. Wherever it takes us, I'll be delighted if he stays in the Premier League. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's Troy you were referring to. Look, Ian is still only, eight, only eighteen months old. Barry, he's not sleeping through yet. Give him a chance. Uh, I've got them eleventh. Uh, Chelsea twelfth last year. Christopher Nkunku is in. He's injured out for, what, three and a half months. Uh, Axel Tzassi, if I pronounce that correctly. Nicholas Jackson, uh, Leslie Ugo Chukwa and Robert Sanchez are in. Outs. I mean, Everybody. We don't have time. We don't have time. Uh, <laughs> Havertz, Mount, Kovacic, Koulibaly, Pulisic, Mendy, Loftus-Cheek, Ampadu, amongst others. Um, last year, Troy was such a disaster. They haven't got Europe. They have got Pochettino. I think this is the hardest to predict what will happen of all the teams. Absolutely no idea. I absolutely agree as well. Um, listen, that sold loan list is massive. Obviously, they need to needed to trim their squad. Someone has finally said, look, we need to get these out if we're going to get some in. I think they've made some very shrewd signings. I think there are potentially another free, free signings that they may make if the rumours are true. And I think they have to make those signings um, because at the moment, I think Poch has got an incredibly difficult job pulling this team together to make some kind of sense out of it for this season. Listen, yes, he's a great manager. He hasn't managed in the Prem for a few years. He's now taken over a mess. And yes, when he first came to Spurs, you could say that, but there was a semblance of a squad that he could work with. And, you know, he outed a few, including my son and made sure that he got things the way that he wanted to. I'm not sure you can do that in the period of time that he's had and the period of time that he will have as he's bringing in new players. So I, I, I absolutely agree. I think this is the most difficult one to uh, kind of place, you know, because of that. I mean, I've been watching Jackson during the, the summer and, the, and he looks like the established number nine that they need but there's something about that number nine shirt that weighs heavy at Chelsea. So we'll have to see if um, he comes through that. It's, it's an interesting one. It's, it's a really interesting one. And I'm, I'm trying to hold court on Chelsea until we find out what their squad will eventually look like. But yeah, I've listen, I've placed them in a position that doesn't take them any higher or, or any lower than last season. Doesn't holding court mean you sort of you know, you're not, not in my world, not in my world, for months and months, Troy is just going to stand at speaker's corner talking about Chelsea until he, as a, until he knows if Pochettino can get a tune out of them. Um, uh, Barry. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're a difficult one. I, I think talk of the problem and the mess Pochettino has inherited is greatly exaggerated. You know, he knows what he's doing. And if you've got, 35 players and you only want 22 in your squad then it's very easy just bomb out 13 of them and say right you're not part of the group this is who I want to to train with uh, and it's problem solved and and those guys go and train it's it's brutal but that's what what you need to do apparently Nicholas Jackson has been burning it up in in pre-season for whatever that's worth I expect uh, Pochettino's get a great tune out of Michaelo Mudrik, who who, you know, was parachuted into this shit show and and didn't get much of a chance to shine. 
I think the fact they're not in Europe is massive, and I expect them to do pretty well. Yeah, agree. I'm I'm high on Chelsea uh, ahead of this season. Uh, I I completely acknowledge the the problems that Troy have, have listed that uh, Pochettino and his team has to has to deal with. But I actually think one of the things that we kind of ignored or didn't notice because it was such a dumpster fire last season. Like it was all bad. It was just a total mess. You kind of forget that. I really think a lot of those young players they brought in are brilliant, and I, I think there are a few potential like proper stars there. And I think now that they've trimmed the squad and, and, and Pochettino has come in, who has a history of doing well with, uh, with with young players, I I think that's set up for them to, to make improvements. And so it is sort of your... I'm kind of backing slightly intangible elements here, but I think if you can get a handful of those young players who can take a step up in a similar vein to, to what we saw with Arsenal squad last season, maybe not that far up, but... Uh, there are a lot of young players here who can really, really become very, very good, I believe. And I think Pochettino is a good man to lead them. I think not being in Europe, like Max Barry said, is a huge advantage. So I'm I'm pretty positive on, on Chelsea, really. I just think if, if they, let's say they don't get the targets they want, particularly they're obviously looking at their centre midfield and go, they, they need to bolt their centre midfield up because it, it's now paper thin. If they don't get those targets, then what do they turn to? You know, so it, it's almost like you're kind of if they get the players that they want, and I think it's well publicised the players that they want. I can see them actually, like I said, with all the no no European football etc., and a manager who who understands how to gel and 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 put squads together. But if they don't get those targets, I just worry that that they've not got. A, how crazy is this? That they've not got a big enough squad to to now complete compete. Um, so yeah, they're they're a roll of the dice for me, Chelsea. They're they're just an absolute roll of the dice, and I suppose we'll know more in the first month or six weeks. I rolled the dice and got seven, which is hard, but that's where I'm putting them. Seventh, Barry. I rolled the dice and got four. Wow, Lars. I thought I was going to... Good Lord. I, I've got them fifth, and I thought that was going to be higher than, than, than people, but four, wow. And Troy, you had them sixth, did you? Eight for me. Eighth. Right. All right. Uh, well, that, that'll do for part two. Part three, we'll do Crystal Palace to Fulham. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Crystal Palace then, 12th every season, came uh, 11th last year. Uh, they brought in Matthias Franca and Jefferson Lerma. Uh, Wilfred Zaha has gone to Galatasaray. Roy Hodgson remains, Barry. How nice is that? He does. And I, I found it quite endearing. He was doing a press conference the other day and he was asked, I think, about the possibility of losing uh, Michael Elise and just seemed to know nothing whatsoever about it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Chelsea are after him. I think Palace would probably be fine, but as we record, they could still lose Elise, they could lose Joachim Anderson, they could lose Czech Decore, and they could lose 
Mark Gehi, they could lose some, one, none, or all of those players. And that, I suspect, will have a massive, massive bearing on uh, how they do this season. Odson Edward still has yet to convince. I don't know, is it two, three years since he moved from Celtic? Still not convinced by him. I have to say, uh, Jordan Ayew slightly changed my opinion of him with his performances, uh, I think, in the second half of last season. I, I always thought he was just garbage, but he I, I, I've started to see what he brings to the, the Palace party. And I think it remains to be seen whether it was the right decision to give Hodgson a, a deal for this season. I suspect he won't be there by the end of the season. I, I think he may get sacked or leave. But I, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be fine. I'm just not sure where their goals are going to come from. And I don't think the loss of Will Zaha is that big a deal. He's been a great servant for Palace, but they have a couple of pretenders who are ready to step up to, to his position as talisman, you know, uh, Eze, obviously, and, and Olise if he stays. I think Palace might have problems this season. I agree with Barry, where do their goals come from? Because none of those three players, you include Ayo in that, Mateta and Ed- Eduard, score goals in abundance. Um, they've lost, they could lose Michael Elise's creativity if, with the rumours again, Chelsea, Man City. Apparently they're not happy with Chelsea in the way that they've approached, but he's injured anyway, so he doesn't start the season. Um, you have to say they'll miss Will's contribution to goal scoring because, again, the last few seasons he's upped his levels there and someone needs to come in and replace those goals. I worry for them at the back because, again, as Barry has identified, he's really done his his homework. Um, a couple of those could go. And again, if they get certain bids for, for Anderson or Guillet, they go, who do they replace them with? Because there's nothing readily available within the club to replace those two centre-backs. So I think they've got work to do in the transfer market. Does that depend on, on selling players? I'm not too sure. So Roy's got a big job on there. But you've got to say that he actually did a very good job when he came back in and, you know, not only stabilised them, but a Roy Hodgson team that was creative and that, you know, was scoring goals and, and kind of exciting was a nice thing to have. I must point out as well, James MacArthur, who I thought was one of the most, uh, as, a, as a servant and as a, as a dedicated player, was amazing for Crystal Palace and got released at the end of the season, retired um, from football, uh, this week, just a, just a great all-round professional footballer, and I think deserves a, a mention in, in in here as well. So I am concerned, but again, the place that I put them kind of says, "Well, you're not really concerned, are you?" So we'll we'll see. Where it. are they? Third? <laughs> Where are you putting them? <laughs> you're taking the mick out of me, but you're accepting fourth for Chelsea. <laughs> I, can't, I just can't believe it. Um, I've got them just below their normal place of twelfth. I've got them thirteenth. Well, I've got them twelfth. As where they should be, Lars. I got them eleventh. Uh, I basically agree with everything that's been said. Uh, so just not going to say much. Sort of Roy, Roy Hodgson, old school Roy Hodgson, off the ball organization plus Eze and Olise doing the attacking things. That should be totally fine. If they lose either Eze or Olise, I worry about them create create creativity wise, but should be fine. Everton then seventeenth last year. They brought Ashley Young and Arnold Dan Juma at the second attempt. Uh, Moise Keane, Ellis Sims, Yerry Mina and of course Andros Townsend aren't there uh, their last season at Goodison Park it doesn't seem great 
Barry, does it? No. Um, at the end of last season, Sean Dyche said, you know, they stayed up just about. And Dyche said, there's a massive amount of work to be done. The club need to be at the top end of the market. None of that work has been done, uh, you'd have to say. They are facing uh, a hearing before an independent commission in October for alleged breaches of financial fair play rules. So they could conceivably get a points deduction, um, which won't help them. Uh, their cumulative losses over the past four years of £430 million. Like You think of all the players they bought. Remember, they were just buying one scampering midfielder after another, paying huge amounts of money, and, and none of them seemed to work out. So even if they do get transfers done, and with the greatest respect to Ashley Young, um, you know, he's getting on a bit now. Arnold Danjuma. He's only 38, Barry. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's only 38. Arnold Danjuma was supposed to go there in January and then did a last-second U-turn and went to Spurs instead. So he's clearly not really enamoured with being at Everton. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I'd be interested to see what, what kind of reception he gets. You know, Seamus Coleman, who I, I won't hear a bad word said about, but like, when he recovers from injury, he's probably still going to be first choice right back. Um, like, crikey. Sounds like you just said a bad word about Seamus Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he's he's old, you know, he's he's old. Uh, he's been there for, what is it, 17 years or something. You know, he's the James <laughs> MacArthur or the Joel Ward of Everton. Now, the one little joker they have, can they... Or will they even try to, when he recovers from injury, get a tune out of Deli Alley? That that could be interesting. Lars, is this the year of Neil Mopai? <laughs> oh wow, I, I think I think I've given up on that one. You know, I I, I was a Mopai believer for a while, but um, you know, not sure about that. I mean, he he runs a lot. That that's good, and he's very annoying to play against, which I think is an underrated thing in football. But. Uh, just a lot of negativity around Everton. I, I, I get that. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree, but again, me having run wild with this feature of, of looking at league tables from various dates to other dates. Like After Dice took over, they picked up, uh, by my reckoning, 21 points in 18 games, which over a full season puts them at 44 points, which is fine. Keeps them up. Last season would have actually put them 12th. So if Dice just kind of cracks on and does what he does... Uh, I I I backed him to stay up. Now, bigger picture, as you guys have alluded to, the picture for Everton is not great. Uh, the financial situation not ideal. But I think for now they just need to survive, and I think with Dice in charge, you'd expect them to do that. Yeah, I think Dice is the key there, isn't he? I mean, I have them fifteenth purely because of Sean Dice. You know, they've got a sort of tireless midfield, which will run a lot and won't be nice to play against and if you know if they can get Goodison especially the last season of Goodison I'm sure you know the fans better than than the rest of us but they can just sort of get that vibe then I think they'll be okay can I just say the key yes is the manager but the key is keeping Dominic Calvert-Lewin fit and him trusting his body if he's fit they're a different beast altogether and with Dan Juma coming in as well I can see them actually dovetailing very well if he's not fit, they have a problem with scoring goals again. And and that is a bit... I mean, you mentioned Neil Mopé and, you know, spending £15 million on someone that doesn't score goals is not a good fit for Everton at the moment. And yes, he does run around a lot. Yes, he does create a little bit of havoc, but they don't need that. They need goals. 
And Dominic Calvert-Lewin is that one person who should be able to provide them with enough goals to give them the safety that they need. But there's there's conversations about a couple of their, their players as well. You know, apparently they're leading the Maguire uh, um, bid, but, you know, West Ham have just had another, uh, are in for him as well. Onana could potentially be going. I think that would be a very bad move for them, you know, in, in regards to who they replace him with. Dwight McNeil had a really good season last season. I think with the optimism of maybe having a settled front three, um, and like you said, that kind of workaholic midfield, I think that's what Dyche will, 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 you know, will base his kind of whole structure on. But if something happens and Calvert-Lewin spends as much time out as he had in the last two years, then there's a massive problem for Everton there. Massive problem. I just got to say, like, just mope. I mean, you could pick me to play forever, and I'd run around and create havoc. I think you'd run less. You want me in the side? No. For how long would you run around? I'd give it a good, a good three minutes, Troy. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of walking the past week uh, or two, so I, I could walk. I could certainly stroll around for the full 90. Well, I've gotten 15th. Uh, Lars, where have you gotten? 14th. Barry? Uh, relegated, 18th. Troy? 16th. All right, let's do Fulham. Then came 10th last year. They brought in Calvin Bassey from Ajax, former Rangers man, and Raul Jimenez uh, from Wolves. Joe Bryan and Shane Duffy have gone. Uh, Mitrovic seems to want to go to Saudi. William signed a new deal, but wants to go to Saudi. Uh, Marco Silva doesn't want to go to Saudi Arabia. It doesn't... I mean, I, I put them 10th, but that's because I wasn't thinking. It looks like it might not be a great year for them, Barry. Yeah, I, I think they'll be okay. But they're sort of towards the bottom of my table and... Their okayness will almost certainly be down to the fact that there'll be quite a few teams that are worse than them. I, I'm not expecting much from them. I think signing Royal Jimenez is a huge gamble because as good as he used to be, let's face it, he has not been half the player he, he was since he had that awful head injury. And, you know, it's not, not a huge surprise, but that's a big gamble. If they can get him firing, that that could be huge. I mean, a sulking Mitrovic, if he stays, is, is not much of a Mitrovic. And even if he leaves, during his ban last season, uh, I think they lost 4-1-4. So that's, you know, they, they can cope without him. Uh, they scored 13 goals during his ban. Can they keep hold of Palina? He's highly sought after. He's a brilliant player. He's a great find for them. He's out with a shoulder injury at the moment, so he'll miss the start of the season, season whichever club he's at. And up front, uh, they have a great prospect in Jay Stansfield, although I meant to check, has he gone on loan anywhere yet? Uh, he was on loan at Exeter last season and did really well. He's only a kid, uh, uh, so will he get to step up? Will he get the chance to step up? I don't know, but uh, I suspect Fulham will be okay. Troy Lars, I want a minute of thoughts on Fulham and then that is our work done, Troy. Personally, I think Mitrovic will be a massive loss because despite what they did when he was out, his consistency of goals over the last two seasons is something that's very difficult to replace and Jimenez, as Barry has quite rightly stated, has not been the same player. Uh, there are a couple of people that they want to get and I know Damari Gray is one of them. There was talk of Callum Hudson-Odoi, although that's gone quiet now. Um, I do think they'll be all right, but I, I agree with Barry about what's below them is probably worse than what they are. Yeah, so at, at the risk of incurring the very mild wrath of both Archie and guest producer Sammy, I'm just not super high on, on Fulham. I don't fully... 
I don't fully trust what happened last season. They finished very high on the table. Underlying numbers not quite as convincing. And it's got a faint sort of whiff of second season syndrome about it, to be honest, especially if if Mitrovic leaves. But I will acknowledge that that's based on mostly sort of irrationality on on my side. But I have put, having said that, I have put them uh, 13th in my thing because I don't think they'll fall away enough to get themselves relegated. But 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 I do have them in that sort of bracket of if Mitrovic leaves and they have a couple of unfortunate injuries or something like that that go against them, it's, it could get a bit iffy, but should be fine. Baz, where have you got them? 14th. Troy? 15th. Okay. Uh, Troy and Lars, because you're not here tomorrow, need to hear your... Uh, top five and your bottom three. Go on then, Lars. All right, so my top five, I've got Chelsea fifth. As you'll note, I have United fourth. I have Liverpool third, Arsenal second, and you'll be surprised to hear Manchester City top of the league. Troy, your top five. Liverpool fifth, Villa fourth, Arsenal third, United second, City first. Okay, and your bottom three, Troy? Luton Town, very hard for me to say this, having met Mick Harford through the summer, but I don't think they've got enough resources. Luton Town, Wolves, but now they're going to have a new manager. Are they going to give them a little bit of money that they don't have that they weren't prepared to give the previous? And Sheffield United, so Sheffield United 18th, Wolves 19th, Luton 20th. Lars? Well, now, I've stuck Sheffield United bottom because it seems a bit bad that they're kind of losing their top scorer from last season and Sander Berger now leaving and not a lot coming in and that whole thing, so I'm not sure about that. I have put Wolves 19th because they've kind of been mid-table last uh, two seasons, but the XG numbers have been bad. Like They had roughly the same XG goal difference as Southampton last year. That seems like not a good situation to be in. And when they then further weakened the team, and Lopetegui kind of leaves. I'm thinking this this doesn't smell right. So we're sending Wolves down. And then I had, yeah, with a heavy heart, stuck Bournemouth in 18th, which means I think Luton can do it. I Go on the Hatters. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's the most underdoggiest underdogs I think we've had in the Premier League ever. It's not necessarily based on rationality, but the relegation battle is not always rational. You know, Leicester went down last season. Weird things happen. I believe in Luton. Okay, finally, dancers. Hi, Max, Barry, Dole and the gang. Thank you all for your brilliant work. I've loved the show for years. Never miss a minute. I'd be really grateful if you could give a shout out to my brother-in-law, Jack, who married my sister, Ellie, last week. Our mutual love of Football Weekly has helped us to bond over the years. I'm delighted. The only thing he loves... More than listening to the pod is, in fact, my wonderful sister. They're the best partnership since Brian McBride and Diamancy Camera. See you at the Troxy in November. Thanks for everything, uh, Dan. P.S. If Jack's beloved West Ham end up buying Jao Polinia from us this summer, I'll be forced to retract all of these sentiments. Um, so, yes, uh, Jack and Ellie. Uh, Baz, if you could do the honours. Yeah, um, congratulations. It, it, so am I to understand Jack has married his best friend's sister? Is Is this... Is this what's happened here? Well, I don't think they're... I think they've become friends since... And they've used Football Weekly as a way as bonding. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I, w- I wish uh, Jack and Ellie every happiness in a world where I believe more than half of uh, marriages that take place end in divorce right, or separation. <laughs> but I've every confidence that they'll, they'll be in the half that survive and just end up Living unhappily together in a house they can't sell or neither of them can leave because it's in negative equity. 
Uh, or maybe just for the sake of the kids. <laughs> but anyway, good luck, Jack and Ellie. Uh, I'm just bitter and twisted because I'm going to die alone. And uh, that's why I can never bring myself to wish anyone else happiness. I wish you all the best uh, in, in a long and happy and healthy life to both of you. Uh, thanks, Dan, for getting in touch. That'll do for today. Thank you, Troy. Thanks, Max. Great to be back. Thanks, Lars. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Barry. Thank you. Mark Langdon, Jonathan Wilson join us tomorrow to do Liverpool to Wolves. Uh, Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Daniel Stephen. This is The Guardian.